Hear these words from Matthew chapter 3. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The ax is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Holy God, our Father, we thank you for the truth and the light of your word. God, I pray that our hearts would be softened to receive it. Would we respond to your words with a loving and humble and joyful obedience? Would, you, would we see the grace that you have set before us? Lord, this time is yours. Our hearts are yours. Our bodies are yours. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Happy New Year, everybody. My name is Erin. I'm a pastoral intern here at Third. I'm in my second year. I'm so glad to be with you all. I do want to let you all know that I'm getting over a cold. So um, in case I have a really intense coughing fit up here, that's what's happening. Um, it happened in the last service, and it was a very dramatic scene. So just want to let you guys know in case it happens again. And uh, I... I'm really glad to be in the year 2020. Welcome to the first Sunday of the new year, the first Sunday of a decade, of the decade. And for many of us, it feels like a fresh start. It's a leap year, it's an election year. I mean, the possibilities are endless, like the world could look completely different at the end of this 10 years. Some of us have already started going to the gym, started freshly cleaning our living spaces. We've resolved to make better decisions with our money, with our hearts, with our health, with our homes, with our lives. And something funny happens at the end of every year. At the end of every year, we start to like dream of ourselves, the person that we could be, the perfect version of ourselves. And the perfect version of ourselves is attainable in the new year. And actually what happens uh, 
with me, um, my roommate and I, we always talk about this is the year. We're going to be super fit. We're going to be trim. We're going to be rich. And every year we are not fit. We are not trim. We are not rich. But we always think the next year is the year it could happen. And then this year, I can be the type of person who folds their laundry immediately after taking it out of the dryer. I can be the type of person who actually responds to emails at her real earliest convenience. And not when, some, not when someone says, hey, Aaron, um, just following up on this email, it's been like six weeks. Could you please respond? I want to be the type of person who drinks enough water, the type of person who washes her own dishes instead of letting them soak or leaving them for the non-existent maid. I dream of this person, this, this person, this perfect person. She's the me I wish I could be. And I know that I'm not by myself. I read an article in the Atlantic the other day. It's from January 2019. And it says the end of the year is when we feel the most inadequate. They call it the most inadequate time of the year. It's when we feel the, mo- the least secure, the most unworthy, the least adequate, and a large part of that is due to commercial advertising. There are constantly messages that tell us you're not good enough, you're not thin enough, you're not popular enough, you're not smart enough, you're not connected enough, you don't know the right people, you're not powerful enough, you don't have the right clothes, but listen, if you buy this, if you drink this, if you subscribe to this podcast, I can tell you, I can give you, I can supply you with the 10 tips and tricks you need to be the perfect human specimen. All you gotta do is pay $9.99 every three weeks. But maybe outside of capitalism, there is a little bit in us that looks to a new beginning as a fresh start. We see that in, Kids, like when we were kids and we were so tired of summer, it was time to like, you know, it's hot outside, you're bored of your friends, you're bored of the pool, you're bored of your parents, you're ready to go school shopping, get your fresh new um, kicks, get your fresh new clothes, get your hair done, get your new notebooks, get your pens, your pencil bag, all of that stuff, because then this new year, you're going to be the student that your parents hope you can be, the student you need to be, straight A's, always writing down homework assignments. There's something in us, even from a young age, that looks to a new beginning to be a fresh start. We still often have this desire to leave behind the disappointing version of ourselves. The version of ourselves that does not live up to our hopes and dreams. The version of ourselves that disappoints our friends. The version of ourselves that snaps at our loved ones, that leaves our rooms untidy, that eats too much, drinks too much, doesn't have enough fun, has too much fun. We think if we tweak this thing or we uh, tweak that thing, if we develop this habit, develop this good habit, or break this awful habit, then we can actually become good. We can actually become worthy, worthy of love, worthy of honor, worthy of respect. I'll tell you something right now. No amount of resolution making, goal setting, or goal achieving is able to do that. Nothing can make you good. Nothing can make you whole except the saving power of Jesus Christ. And that's what this message is all about. This message is one of repentance. 
And I don't stand before you as one who has lived a completely clean life since knowing the Lord, who is no need of repentance, who has completely attained into all measures of godliness and holiness. That's not me. I'm not it. As I was writing the sermon, I was telling um, Brooke last night, um, we went to go see Little Women. I was like, I don't want to go preach this sermon tomorrow. Like, this is very heavy. I'm, in the, I'm the person that should be receiving this word. So please hear these words as words from the Lord, not from me, because I am a broken woman, just as you are broken people. So in this Matthew passage, we come across some folks that are experiencing a new beginning indeed. People were coming from across the entire region to hear the words of this strange man. This peculiar recluse named John. And this peculiar man had an even more peculiar message. The kingdom at heaven is near, so repent. And John was preaching that the kingdom of heaven was near, that the kingdom of heaven was close, and he was telling the truth. You see, their lives that was ruled by the Old Testament law, by the Old Testament rituals, by the Old Testament rites, by the temple sacrifice system, their life that was noted by the distance between themselves and their God, that was all about to be done away with. It was all about to be eradicated. And not only that, but the rule of terror that the spirit of darkness had oppressed the earth with was coming to a close. The salvation of the Lord was coming. So John was, in effect, kind of like a doomsday preacher. He's like, if you ever watch The Walking Dead or any other apocalyptic TV show, I don't recommend watching The Walking Dead just saying, if you've ever seen it. There's always like these, um, it's either like spray painted on a garage or there's like a guy holding a sign um, and he looks scraggly and weird and dirty and beat up and it's like spray painted, the end is near. John, that was John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, that was him. And so John preaching this message that the end of the world as you know it is coming to an end reminds me of a New Year's, uh, maybe like 20 years ago. And I know it's hard to believe that I was alive 20 years ago, uh, but it was uh, December, like in 1999. Everybody was going screwy about Y2K. It was some computer thing. They thought like everything was going to shut down. Um, our economic infrastructure of the world would completely collapse. People actually built bunkers. They bought cases of spam. They took wilderness survival boot camp lessons just in case the world came crashing down. But John, when he was preaching to his followers that the world was about to change forever, did not direct them to hide. He did not tell them to go into a bunker. He didn't tell them to stockpile food for their safety. No, he told them to repent. He told them to change their hearts, to change their minds, and to change their behaviors. This was not the time to cower in fear. This was not to, the time to dig your heels in the sand about your own righteousness. This was the time to lay your hearts open before the king. To lay your hearts open before the almighty one who has all power, who has all knowledge, who has all discernment, and who was coming to judge all things. And let's take a look at that word repent. The word repent means to change your mind or purpose. 
In scripture, it means to change one's mind or purpose concerning the demands of God for right living. It means to change the way you think about the ordinances of God. It means to change your heart's posture about what God says to do. It means that when your will comes up against God's will, your will goes underneath and you submit it to what the Lord says. It's changing your path. It's changing your mind. And repentance is something that in the church seems like it's a word that's being phased out. But John in this passage is holding no punches. His message is repent, repent, repent for the kingdom of God is near. Repent because the world as you know it is coming to an end. Repent because there is a judge coming. Repent, repent, repent. And when he proclaimed that the kingdom of heaven was at hand, he was anticipating the inauguration of a new covenant, a new world order. God had come to earth to establish his kingdom. God had come to earth to establish his rule, to establish his justice, to establish his reign. And the only way, the only way to prepare for his coming was for the people of God to be brought to repentance. John describes Jesus as a judge in this passage. He says that the axe is already at the root of the tree, ready to cut down any that does not bear fruit. And John was talking about the judgment that was coming to the house of Israel. Jesus was coming to discern those whose hearts were really faithful in following the wills and the order, the will and the ordinance of God. Jesus was the one who could discern between true believers and false believers. True believers will reign with him in his kingdom, but false believers will be cut down and burned. And that is a hard word, but it's what's in the text and we have to honor and respect it. God calls us to repentance. Jesus' role as judge was seen, as his ministry, seen in his ministry on the earth. There was no one as discerning as Jesus, no one who knew the thoughts and intents of the heart like him, no one who was as able to identify the chinks in the armor of the people of God like Jesus Christ was. And of course he was able to do that. Jesus Christ who was the very word of God. And what do we know about the word of God? The word of God, it is alive and it is active Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart, and that is what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to decide, uh, to discern light from dark, holy from profane, righteous from unrighteous. Nothing in all creation was hidden from God's sight. Everything was uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we all must give an account. And y'all, the judge came and he did the work that John prophesied he would do. But the judge will come again. This is a word for us today. The judge has arrived and will arrive. The call to repent is not just for the followers of John. No, it's not even just for those who are walking the earth during the time of Jesus. It's for us right now. 
We've uh, been in a, a season of Advent, and we've been remembering and ante- remembering the anticipation of the people of God waiting for a Messiah 2,000 years ago, waiting and groaning for the promised one. And then the promised one came, the baby Jesus. But we also right now are in a period, a season of waiting. We're, ra- we're waiting for, for the return of Jesus Christ in all of his glory and all of his fullness and all of his power and all of his, all of his righteousness. When all things will be set right again. And I'm telling you, Jesus is not just coming to make things happy. Jesus is coming as a judge as well. And the only way to prepare for Jesus, the way to prepare for Jesus to come, the way is the same as it was in the beginning. The people of God must have their hearts in a posture of repentance continually. If you're here and you've never come to saving faith in Jesus Christ, there is no time like the present. The kingdom of God is not only near, the kingdom of God is here right now. And there is opportunity for you to come into the joy and the love and the justice of King Jesus. If you're here and you've been a Christian for a long time, you've known the Lord for a while, make room for the judge in your life. Lay open your heart before him. Those parts in your heart and in your life that you've kept hidden, those parts that you've kept away from him because if you feel like if the Lord tells you, you have to stop. If the Lord takes this thing away, if the Lord tells you, no, you can't go there, you can't do that, no, you can't complete that action anymore, you feel like it'll, it'll feel like death. Listen, lay your heart open before the judge. The time to repent is now. Allow Jesus to do the work of discerning and whittling away at those things that are not like him. And if you're here and you've been straddling the fence, you've met Jesus, but you have no desire to give him complete lordship over your life. You think Jesus is cool, but is he Lord? You think Jesus has some wise sayings, but should I give him my life? That sounds like he's asking a lot. The time to repent is now. The time to change your heart and mind about the will of God is now. The judge has come and he will come. Prepare your heart, prepare your mind for the king, for the judge. And if the instruction to prepare for Christ's first coming was to repent, how much more so shall the chosen people of God, how much more so shall the elect of God from all nations of the earth prepare for his righteous and glorious second coming? People of God, it is time to repent. And there's a battle that often ensues in us when we are called to repentance. We feel like, you know what, this is unfair. Why should I have to do this? Other people aren't doing it. It's unfair. I don't like it. You think, you know what, God doesn't really expect me to turn away. He knows I'm weak. He knows I'm broken. He knows I can't obey. Or three, he knows Or God's grace is big enough to cover all of my flaws. My past, present, and future sins, God's grace can cover. So what's the need to come to repentance when God's already got it? Why double down on what he's already done? Work smarter, not harder. And I think you're about two-thirds right if that's your mindset. You are right if you think it's unfair, but God is not interested in fairness the way we consider fairness. 
His justice, his righteousness, his precepts, his will are so far beyond ours, we couldn't even begin to compare. And yes, God's grace is big enough to cover all of our sins, past, present, and future. The sins of us, our loved ones, the sins of the world, the sins of people who were, and the sins of people who will be, the sins of everything, every created being in the universe and beyond, God's grace is big enough to cover. But what you might be wrong about is that God actually does want us to repent. God does expect us to turn away. God expects us to yield to his spirit. God expects us to obey his word. God expects us to say yes to the things he tells us to say yes to and to say no to the things he tells us to walk away from. That's God's expectation of us. Would we yield ourselves to the spirit of God? And repentance, sometimes it feels easy to repent when we have these emotional experiences, when we're like crying, let's run to the altar. God, I receive your love. I receive your repentance. I turn away. But y'all, it does, I'm telling you right now, repentance does not always feel like that. When repentance is a pattern in your life, when repentance is something that you are continually doing, it often feels like drudgery. It feels like duty. But I was reading a commentary uh, and Matthew Henry says, God meets our duty with his mercy every single time. And we see some of God's mercy in verse 11. It says that Jesus will baptize all those uh, whom he will, who would receive him with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And how great a mercy this is. Because do you remember I told you that we could never become the people we want to be. We can never become this whole good person except for Jesus Christ. It's this gift of the Holy Spirit. It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit that makes us like Jesus, that makes us into the man or the woman, the boy or the girl that God has always intended for us to be. And Jesus gives the Holy Spirit freely. The Holy Spirit empowers us to be good and holy beyond what we could ever dream. It's the very presence of God living in us. And Jesus gives the Holy Spirit to all those with repentant hearts, all those who change their minds, who turn away from their sin and turn towards him and turn towards his life and turn towards his goodness and turn towards his righteousness. And so you might be saying, why would I want to turn towards somebody who just is going to tell me how wrong I am? Why would I turn somebody who's just picking out the bad things in my life? I understand that. But because Jesus is definitely fully judged and is coming to judge the earth, is coming to judge both living and dead, Jesus is not just a judge. You see, Jesus is a supreme judge. Jesus is a judge unlike anyone, any judge you've ever come across. Because Jesus is both judge and mediator. Jesus is both judge and intercessor. Jesus intercedes for you. Jesus is both judge and savior. Jesus died for your sin. Jesus died for the favorite sin that you have that you love. Jesus died to save you from that. Jesus is both judge and redeemer. Jesus is both judge and friend. What better judge to submit yourself to than that? Who sees you, who knows you, who loves you, who pardons you, 
who acquits you, who, who equips you, who acquits you, who calls you out, who calls you out of darkness into marvelous light. That's the judge I'm asking you to lay your heart open before. Would you receive the love of Jesus that calls you to repentance? In uh, verses 7 through 10, actually 7 through 12, John has some really harsh words for the Sadducees and the Pharisees. He is not playing any games with them. And I see myself, he calls them a brood of vipers. And I see myself in that passage. I don't see myself as John calling out the evil in their hearts. I see myself as the religious elite who is relying on my religious pedigree and to think that would bring me close to God. There was a season in life not too long ago where I was so proud of my spiritual self. I was holy. I thought that I had reached the zenith. You know, Paul said that he had not attained. I was like, well, I'm close, brother. I don't know about you. I was healing people with my shadow. Just kidding. I wasn't, but I thought I could have. I was so delighted to be what I thought was sin-free. Nobody could catch me in a lie. There was no adultery. There was uh, no theft. I wasn't murdering anybody. I was honoring my parents. But one thing I had left untended, I had lost my repentant heart. I wasn't consciously thinking, oh, I don't need to repent for anything. But I lost my posture of my need for God. I lost the desire to lay myself open before the Lord and have him search me, try me, and know my ways, know my faults, and lead me in the way everlasting. I thought I'd already found it. And so if you're in here and you're like me, I'm telling you, Jesus Christ calls us to repentance too. What I want us to walk away from is that we should have a lifestyle of repenting day in and day out. A lifestyle of allowing the Holy Spirit to have its work in our hearts to show us ourselves, to show us our weakness, to show us our brokenness, to show us our willfulness. And allow Jesus to separate the wheat from the chaff in our hearts. Because if we don't, we will get caught up, we will get tangled, we will get tied up, and we will drown in our sin. People of God, how do we prepare for the judge? With repentant hearts. God can change the world with repentant hearts. And he can't do much with an unrepentant one. Allow the one who truly knows you. Who can discern your thoughts, your motivations, and intentions? Allow him access to every part of your life. Yield to the lordship of Jesus Christ. You might be saying, how can I repent? First, all you have to do is acknowledge your own need for God. And this can often be the hardest part. But when you get there, don't, and please know that you didn't get there on your own. The Holy Spirit brought you to that point. The Holy Spirit brought you to the point of acknowledging your need before him. Remember that God is the source of all things and we're dependent on him for our very existence, for our salvation, for our redemption. You must lay your heart open before him. Allow the judge, the very word of God to do the discerning work in our hearts and change your mind about the things of God. 
You might be saying, what are the things of God? Look in God's word. God has revealed his will for us. God has revealed his desires for us. He's revealed his heart for us in his scripture. Get acquainted with the word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to illumine what he would have you to do. Allow the Holy Spirit to direct your path, to direct your steps. And loved ones, I want you to leave knowing this. Nothing, no resolution, no new habits, no goal can save us or cleanse us or make us holy, make us right, save Jesus Christ. The only one who is able to truly know and discern our hearts, who knows our past, who knows our future, and reaches into our present to bring us to an expected end. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your love and your grace that you would call us to repentance. We thank you that when we come to you, you receive us with joy and gladness. God, I pray that every heart in here would be increasingly aware of your presence and of your love and of your truth. And that even when your love calls for sacrifice, that we would joyfully sacrifice what you ask for us, ask of us. We submit all things to you, for only you are worthy. In Christ's name, amen.